welcome to the Code Life podcast. With me, Nathan Black, and me, my great mate, Cole Beach. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. So um, we're back uh, with another podcast, and we've we've been varying our content. Um, and one of the things the blokes have said that they like is when we do a little bit of a character study. Yeah. On, on interesting people, and we, you've, we've done some stuff on overcoming the odds and combat yeah. guys and all, all sorts. And um, this week or this month, I thought we'd take a little cheeky look at general pattern. Now, hmm. <laughs> what we're going to do uh, this this episode, this edition, is going to look at general patterns approach to warfare. And then what I thought is we'd do a little follow up of uh, a look at his life in the uh, following month and see if we can somehow link this to following Christ. <laughs> yeah, good idea, mate. Yeah. So general pattern, I googled him, and yeah. for anyone listening who's like, yeah, I've heard of the name, but I'm not really sure. So he's like your iconic um, tin hat, three stars on the tin hat, smoking a smoking a stogie. He's got the yeah. navigator sunglasses and a real proper old school war horse. And wasn't yeah. a film modelled on him? Uh, yeah, there's a, there is a film called Pattern. Okay. And basically, right. he. I mean, we'll do this when we do when we do the character study on him. We won't just go off Wikipedia for that. But yeah. There's some brilliant stuff being written about him. But he thought he was a reincarnated, you know, Viking or Roman warrior. You know, he carried a nickel-plated six-shooter handgun. He was massively <laughs> into fencing. You know, he had his own saber sword developed for the U.S. Cavalry. You know, fought in World War One. Wow. Then he became a tank commander. I mean, he's he's proper. You know. You're born. Let me let me just give you a little little background before we look at his philosophy of warfare. Yep. Then we're going to go look at some of his quotes to me. But so he was born on November the 11th, 1885, and he died on December 21st, 1945, at the end of the war. Which is interesting because he, as the war came to a close, he went, he sank into depression because he thought he'd never have to never be able to fight again. Wow! Wow! So he was a general in the United States Army. He commanded the 7th United States Army in the Med Theatre of World War II and the United States Army Centre in France and Germany after the invasion of Normandy in June 1944. Um, he was, as I said, born in 1885. He attended the Virginia Military Institute and the United States Military Academy at West Point. He studied fencing. He designed the M913 Cavalry Sabre, known as the Patton Sabre. He competed in the 1912 Olympics he first saw combat in the in 1960s Pancho Villa Expedition, America's first military action using motor vehicles. He saw action in World War One as the United States Tank Corps, which he commanded uh, in France. He developed the Army's Armored Warfare Doctrine. Um, he led the invasion of Casablanca during Operation Tort. He commanded the U.S. Army in the invasion of Sicily, who was the first Allied commander to reach Messina. Um, there he was embroiled in controversy after he slapped two shell-shocked soldiers. Wow. Uh, Paul, so because he was basically he's in the film. There are two guys who are shell-shocked, but they didn't yeah. understand at the time. And there were other guys, their limbs hanging off. And he just thought they had been cowards and he and he he slapped them, you know. Wow. Um uh, he 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 conducted a highly successful rapid armor drive across France under his what's called his decisive leadership. The Third Army took the lead in relieving beleaguered American troops at Bastogne 
during the Battle of the Bulge. Um, he was military governor of Bavaria. So it goes on. And he is known for his philosophy of leading from the front and his ability, it says, to inspire troops with attention, getting vulgarity-ridden speeches, such as his famous address to the Third Army, which was met favourably by his troops, but much less so than the Allied Five Command. Right. So uh, the, the, the 1970 film pattern, definitely worth a watch. And we'll go more into his character, I yeah. think, in, a, in another... Yeah, yeah, cool. well worth doing. In fact, I did think we maybe take several, we could probably do several, like Chesty Puller, General yeah. Patton, you know, and actually, because these extreme characters. Very you know, interesting. It's almost like they are raised up in times of crisis to do a job. And when they're not needed anymore, they're, they're gone. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Very interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I found this article. Um, on the Art of Manliness website. Oh, yeah. It's a great website. Very good, very good. Uh, it's called General Pattern Strategy for Winning in War and Life, colon, keep punching. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read this, and then uh, we'll talk about it as you go along, then we'll, we'll look at these quotes. I, 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 you know, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, I think, you know, as much as some of this stuff may be vulgar, uh, some of the things he said and some aspects yeah. of his life are not pleasant. The reason for looking at this is you've got to take the, the best of some of these incredible characters. No doubt he was a military genius and there's a lot of principles of yeah. warfare leadership that you can apply to your own life. Like, you know, we work with Steve, who is EWO, Executive One Officer on the warship, and some of their naval command systems and strategies yeah. are brilliantly applicable into ministry. Absolutely, yeah. Some are not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you can't chuck it all out. No, it's good. It's a good point. Right, let me uh, let me. So this is from the Art of Manliness, uh, George's pattern by uh, Brett and Kate Mackay. It's a recent article, February twenty fifth, two thousand and twenty. Just want to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> the heart of General George S. Patton's martial strategy centered on aggressive, energetic advancement a focus on ceaseless drive, a belief that there would be time for rest when the war is over. Not only was retreat out of the question, so is even staying in place. My motto in battle, he said, is go forward. That is That's it. it, go forward. He said that the British army never retreat, they tactically withdraw. <laughs> That's what, interesting enough, I don't know what you think about this, mate, but yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the words going on retreat. Yeah, it, it does imply you're walking away. I don't like away. it. Yeah. I know it says in the Bible, Jesus retreated to lonely place now, but I'm, I don't like personally going on retreat. I like, I like the idea of withdrawing to regroup or I'm going off a bit of recalibration. Yeah. Yeah, something more tactical, more strategic about it. Yeah, don't talk about defeat in your head. <laughs> you retreat when you're feeling a bit bad, I've got to go and retreat. Yeah. You know? Why don't you just withdraw and recalibrate a bit? Yeah. Spend some time with the Lord. Yeah, I like that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overplaying it, but I've never liked the word <laughs> retreat. I also don't like quiet time. I don't like the phrase quiet time. Don't you? No. Feels a bit nervy pamby my yeah. quiet times ain't that quiet. 
I like, I like the idea of like I get up with the dawn. Yeah. And I spend some time with the Lord. And what, what would I call it? Yeah, um, God time. Bit of me and me and my father in heaven. I don't know. Quiet time. Yeah, it needs to be something about a raid or something. There needs to be a more active attack. If I said that to my mates here in Staveley, what do you do in the morning? Then I have a quiet time. <laughs> you are. You talking about quiet time? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's an interesting term. It, it it does again. It sounds very passive. Passive. Yeah. <laughs> And had two main rationales for his always be audacious tactical philosophy. First, forward movement, making a big relentless push until you achieve your objective, save time and energy, and most importantly, reduce casualties. The more steadily you advanced, the more rapidly the enemy retreated, and the less fighting you had to do. The shorter the exposure to combat, the shorter the duration of action, the shorter the bloodshed. For Patton, taking measured steps proceeding in fits and starts would not win the battle. You had to go all in. There is no sense trying to save something for the way back. Like now, I, yeah, it's very, very good. I, um, I, I, one of my favourite books as a kid was Reach of the Sky by Paul Brickhill about Douglas Bader, the legless airman. And here's another one I'd love us to look at a character yeah. study sometime. We have done a bit on him in the past. Yeah. We'd like to do a bit more, like many, many editions ago. But he developed a thing called the Big Wing out of the Duxford Air Group. Because his basically one of the commanders' idea was when the Germans are flying over, you, you they set up a squadron at a time, a handful of aircraft at a time. And there were these amazing stories of like five or six Spitfires going up against 100 German aircraft and these fighter pilots, they, I remember listening to, uh, you know, these old YouTube videos you can get of fighter pilots like, from the 70s and 80s when they were still in their 50s and 60s. Yeah. And it, this young pilot officer, he said, it inspired amazing confidence, he said, because your squadron leader, there'd be like four or five of you going up against 100 German aircraft. And the, and the commanding of the squadron leader go, there they are, chaps, let's surround them. <laughs> <laughs> but the big wing, the big wing philosophy was, Chuck everything at them. Yeah. So suddenly what happened was, as they, these 100, 200 German aircraft were coming over, Bader, and he agreed over a phone call, he ate your paperwork, he phoned up Lee Mallory or whoever it was, and went, what we need to do is send up 10 squadrons. <laughs> Put the phone down. <laughs> so the next time, they, they chucked up 50, 60 aircraft, which yeah. totally surprised the Germans. They thought they only had 50 Spitfires left. And suddenly right. they're faced with 60 in one hit. And in the first time they did it, they only lost a couple of aircraft and took out 50 Germans, you know. Wow. It, it, the philosophy was chuck everything at it. No going back. All it, in. Yeah, that's the bit I like. Save nothing for the return leg. <laughs> yeah. So this is his quote. I could see no reason for hoarding ammunition. You either use it or you don't. I'd lose more men by shooting 9,000 rounds a day for three days than I would by shooting 20,000 in one day and probably not get as far. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just that pushing forward pushed the enemy back. It kept him from coming back. Once you had him on the ropes, it was time to finish him off, as Patton declared as he approached the Rhine River during World War II. Now, interestingly, and that's just brought back a memory, in the Gulf War, um, Norman Schwarzkopf, mm. He, uh, he was commanding the Allies in the First Gulf War 
and and they basically had the Iraqi army on the ropes, and they and they and he quit. He, he wouldn't go any further. I mean, we'll have to look into detail, but yeah. my memory serves me correctly. He went, "That's it. We've done the job." And the British were saying, "No, no, no, go, 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 keep going, wipe them out, wipe, just do it, finish the job." I know this is horrible talk. Yeah. Like, finish the job. Right. And of course they didn't, and it all happened again. Under right. slightly different circumstances. Yeah, yeah. A lot of contention about it, but he was able to continue and rebuild his forces and keep being aggressive. There's there's a ton of stuff here. Just dwell in a little pause. There's a load of spiritual parallels in terms of yeah. some of the reason why we talk like this and read this stuff is because it reminds us of the battle language that we don't talk about in the Christian journey enough. We're at war. We're at war. And and that, that narrative of pushing until the enemy's back, if you think about that as like a skirmish in your life, you, you shut the door, you know, you find different ways to, to control it or push it out, but then you don't go all the way. You don't kill it off and repent or move on, and it's just sitting there waiting to attack you again. You know, there's loads of, loads of parallels spiritually. The Bible is stuff full of battle imagery. Yeah, stuff full of it. You know, um, the classic verses in Ephesians six: "Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God, so you can yeah. stand against the schemes of the devil." You don't put on armor unless you're in a battle. Mm. We all know what the armor is. Don't need to look at that now. It talks about the sword, the helmet, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Also, Paul starting Daniel when Daniel turns himself to pray by the river Tigris, <coughs> and he um. He prays for 21 days. Yeah. The uh, the archangel pitches up and he goes, I heard you. When yeah. He first started praying, but I was delayed by the Prince of Persia, like a territorial spirit. In battle, yeah. No, no, Michael came to help me and we did him over. And now I'm here. Big, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are. And and I think that's why I love this stuff because it you don't, I mean, I personally don't hear a lot of that in my church upbringing. That, that kind of clear connection to, to the battle narrative. And I think we need to hear it because you get a little bit battle numb. You think, ah, there's no real, there's no real war going on. There's no spiritual battle going on. And it was only, only oh. till I started to see physically spiritual battles being manifested in Brazil that I started to get a bit clued up. And then you think, hang on a minute, there is something going on here. And so I've been a bit yeah. Same theme in the same opposition too. Yeah, it is. But I think we have become a bit numb and blunted to it because we think, oh, you know, I can't see it. So it maybe it don't happen. It's not a thing. But yeah, we, we keep trying to remind ourselves and anyone who listens to us that we are in a proper, proper scrap. Yeah. And we don't chuck everything at the enemy, you see. No. We do Trifling bit of prayer every now and again, get our nose in the Bible very rarely for the most part. We know that Bible reading is way down in the Christian community. Yeah. You know, we don't practice fasting, we don't keep up physical and spiritual disciplines, and we wonder why we're getting our time, or we wonder why nothing's happening. Yeah. Because the enemy ain't interested in you. No. <laughs> no. Mate, I was reading a book, right? Let me just quote this quickly. The Vision, The Final Quest. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I've read that book, yeah. Yeah, I haven't read it fully yet, so I'm not giving it a full endorsement. All I'm saying at this point is there's a few few chapters in. I've only just started it on Audible. But there's this. it describes this battle scene, this spiritual battle, but it's in kind of 
uh, human kind of form, you know. And there's this moment, it really stood out for me in the story. It said that there was a, a host of people that were fighting and raging against the battle, but it was mainly women and children. There was a, there was a definite shortage of men in this picture this guy had. But he said, gradually, as people realised that they could stand against the power of the darkness and make a stand, they realised with prayer, with spiritual disciplines of the Bible, how easy it was to penetrate the darkness, if you like. They, once they took that stand, they were like, flipping it, there's, there's a lot of power here. Um, but anyway, that's an interesting book that's put in a contemporary kind of, I mean, the book's old, but it's put in a bit of a contemporary spin on some of this stuff. But anyway, over to you, mate. Back to the article. Uh, another quote by Patton in his article. Every day we save means, every day we save means saving hundreds of American lives. The enemy is in chaos on our front, but if we delay 72 hours, he will reorganize and we'll have to fight to push him out of the way. We must not give him that chance, regardless of what political machinations are going on up above. Mm. I don't promise to give the Hun the opportunity to recover from the killing we've just given him. We destroyed two armies in one week with a handful of losses to ourselves. And I don't propose to give the bastards a chance to reorganize on the East Bank. I owe that to my men. We're going to make a crossing at once. I don't care how or where we get the necessary equipment, but it must be got. Steal it, beg it, or make it. But I want it. And it had better be where we need it, when we need it. We're going to cross the Rhine, and we're going to do it before I'm a day older. Wow. <laughs> That's you see this a lot like these guys when it comes to logistics and procurement and stuff they're like you know stuff you i'm getting what i need like, totally belligerent difficult because they know they're in a scrap yeah yeah and they know they can't muck about yeah when you think about the way you know churches handle their budgets and their decision making <laughs> Don't you realise your outposts advancing against the devil and his schemes? Mm -hmm. Get on it. Yeah, that's that's a good picture, actually. You're an outpost. That's I like that. Yeah. Well, that's what we meant to be strategic outposts to advance in the God's kingdom. Yeah. We're behaving like chess clubs. <laughs> it can do. Certainly can. Yeah, not all churches, obviously. Just maybe 99%. <laughs> Back to the article. To ensure control of the territory you are after, Patton thought it important to not only approach the finish line, but to make an extra push past it. During the war, Corps commander reported to Patton that he had achieved the objective of reaching the Saloon River, but the general realised he had halted along its first bank. Patton ordered the commander to cross over its waters, explaining that throughout history, many campaigns had been lost by stopping on the wrong side of the river. Always go, always go that extra bit, is what yeah. he's saying. The second reason Patton stayed on the offensive is that it boosted the morale of men. Soldiers want to do something heroic and glorious, he believed, and such moments didn't come when you were waiting around for the other guy to attack. So too, becoming a moving target by firing on the march reduced the accuracy of the enemy's artillery and increased the men's confidence. Constant advancement also kept himself and his commanders from getting too comfortable. He and his leaders stayed in trailers rather than commandeering chateaus, so they wouldn't be tempted to settle in and become reluctant to move on. Bodies that stay in motion, Patton understood, remain in motion. <laughs> but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't have comfort for himself. Yeah. 
Chesty Puller, the Marine guy, was the same. He never stood on his authority or his rank for privilege. He's always up the front with his men, living in the hardest conditions. Yeah. Get this. Back to the article. Mm. And rarely allowed even his own troops to dig trenches, feeling they offered little real protection, wasted energy in their construction, and became a psychological morale sapper. Burrowing underground sent the message to soldiers, soldiers that the enemy was to be feared, therefore diminishing their courage during offensive assaults. An army is defeated when it digs in. He said, "That's interesting. <laughs> dig in, dig. There is a psychological thing happening there where you dig in and hide, like you know, in a trench. That's very interesting. Armies become defeated when they dig in. It's what you know. In my my church life, so I obviously lead the church with Demon King. Yeah, I'm sometimes not overtly criticised, but I have been over the years." In other churches, too, criticise for keeping people relentlessly on mission. Mm. But my theory is, if we stop doing that, we'll just become a club, a society, for the benefit of its members. You stop talking about the right things. Yeah. It may mean, you know, ultimately more suited to mission leadership. (laughs) (laughs) But but it is a genuine theory of mine. We've got to keep the church on the front foot of mission. Yeah. not dive back into maintenance. Obviously, we need to do a bit of maintenance, look after our people, need yeah. to give them rest and build community and all that kind of stuff, but we yeah. must never lose a sense of pioneering on mission. Or the fact we're in a battle. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think I think that's true, mate. I've got a son who's trying to get me out of the office. <laughs> he wants the game. But I think you're right. I think that, um, I, it, humanly, from my, my perspective, like we've talked on the path of least resistance. And unless there is a push to keep moving forward, yeah, I think there's a human instinct to find the easy option or, or ways to stop moving forward. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you're spot on, mate. An army's defeat when it digs in. Back to article. When, a, when ordered to take a defensive position, Patton would ostensibly comply by adopting an active defence or creeping defence, continuing to move his troops forward. <laughs> Just at a slower pace. In disobeying orders, the general risked his career, but felt that his ultimate success would vindicate him. Patton not only scorned putting his troops on defence, he wouldn't even let them stand still. Before the Third Army was set to invade Europe, he declared, I don't want to get any messages saying I'm holding my position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly and are not interested in holding anything except onto the enemy and we're going to hold on to him and kick the hell out of him at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speed and aggression didn't mean recklessness, however. Patton did reconnaissance for moving ahead. He got the right support pieces in place first. He formulated a plan and a backup plan. It's just that he didn't let the sure knowledge that his plan would never unfold exactly as conceived, preventing him from putting it into action. Tyson said, didn't he? Everyone's got a fight plan until they're punched in the face. Yeah. He's prepared to adapt on the fly, saying one does not plan and then try to make circumstances fit those plans. One tries to make plans fit the circumstances. Put another way, this is a pattern quote, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. Mm-hmm. Patton's strategy of constant advancement is summed up well in the order of the day issue for the 7th Army on the eve of the invasion of Sicily. And here I'll end the article. Remember that we as attackers have the initiative. We must retain this tremendous advantage by always, always attacking rapidly, 
ruthlessly, viciously, without rest. However tired and hungry you may be, the enemy will be more tired, more hungry. Keep punching. Wow. Wow. It's good stuff, mate. Yeah, there's a lot to take from that, I think. Read that. Can you read that last closing paragraph again? Yeah. I think that was quite good. Patton's strategy of constant advancement is summed up well in the order of the day he issued for the Seventh Army on the eve of their invasion of Sicily. Remember that we as attackers have the initiative. We must retain this tremendous advantage by always attacking rapidly, ruthlessly, viciously, without rest. However tired and hungry you may be, the enemy will be more tired, more hungry. Keep punching. Mm. Interesting, in a, in a, a Christian world, we often read through on the back foot a lot. Yeah. We, we do have the advantage because our saviour died for us and rose again. Yeah, and, and one of the things you're always saying is keeping on the front foot of, of God's purposes, yeah. if you like. And, and that's it, it's become one of your sort of catchphrases because as a church culture, we do tend to feel like we're we're sitting in a rut of apologetics on the back foot, trying to defend, trying to give reason yeah. or cause to or, or answer to why we are believing what we believe or whatever. But that idea of a creeping defense, we're not we're not standing back guarding we're not being pushed back we're actually moving forward i think that's really i've I've always felt you know as a as an evangelist mission guy i've got the advantage yeah i'm 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 in the world i'm fully holy spirit my savior died for me rose again hell's been defeated we're just working it out (laughs) yeah yeah mate i think we could certainly i don't know what the guys listening will think but we could certainly do a, a part two on this easy Let's do a part two on it. We'll look at some of his quotes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of them, I'm just looking, just one, for example, it says this if everyone is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. <laughs> I like it. It's just, it's good. It's yeah, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get back to this uh, next month and do a little follow up. Yeah, let's do that, mate. What do we need to tell people about in the meantime, mate? We've got the uh, what's coming out after this goes out. Yeah, so obviously this is on Monday, um, so pretty fresh. We're doing this one fresh because we've been pretty busy in lockdown and whatnot, but we are hoping as things start to ease and lift um, that this is going to start to be done in person again, so we'll get yeah. the audio quality super high. Um, we're also planning in May to be on the road, so we're going to jump in your truck. We're going to go to a few hotspots uh, for CVM across the UK and just hang out with a few of our groups. Um and really try and push and promote the gathering for this year, uh, yeah. which again is online. Uh, but we obviously would love to be in a field, but online means we can reach even more homes yeah. and you never know who's watching. So this stuff sits out, sits out there, doesn't it, for ages. So that's really positive. Uh, yeah. And then tomorrow night, so obviously this is now Monday, you're listening to this, but tomorrow night is um, the big CVM takeaway night, number two. So we've got four speakers lined up, 7.30 p.m., um yeah tune, tune in youtube live facebook live beachy and i'll be on hosting it four speakers uh, and do invite a mate get yourself a takeaway and invite a mate because it's yeah, it. it's like gospel stuff it's just story but it's really relevant and and we think god's going to be in it don't we mate 
Yes, mate. Yeah, it's a great time last time. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, we'll be back next month with a follow on pattern. Like we, we might even do a little series on the great military commanders. I think we There's should. To learn from them. Yeah, <laughs> and we enjoy it, don't we, mate? So why not? Yeah, yeah it's indulgent. <laughs> All right, nice one, mate. See you soon. See you soon, mate.